I'm not a size queen in the bedroom, but I am when it comes to podcasts about sex. Longer is better. And if you were a Patreon member, you would have access to an uncut version of this episode that has 20 extra minutes of stories. Just ask David T., the newest member of the Fruit Bowl Patreon community. Learn more about becoming a patron at fruitbowlpodcast.com slash donate. And now, here's the show. I think the first introduction I had to what sex looked like was from... Porn. 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 I found some Playboy magazines in our attic. Basement. Under a rock. The medicine cabinet came out of the wall. There was a medicine cabinet tucked in an alcove, and I... Opened it up, I found that there was a treasure trove of... Hardcore, like, smut magazines. The rain had sort of, like, stuck different pages together, but we could kind of tear them apart enough that we could read the articles and look at the pictures. And they had painted the ladies all red, white, and blue. I was more fascinated by their paint job than I was by their nudity. Big, hunkin', strong-looking man, just like, freeze down, just going to town at this lady. And I'm like, not even paying attention to this little petite girl with like, fake boobs. There was a swimming pool with literally like 25, 30 people around it, genital to mouth, back and forth, all the way around the swimming pool, and that blew my mind. Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm your host and the creator of Fruit Bowl, Dave Quantic. Five years ago, I started interviewing queer people about their coming of age and the different ways we discover our sexual identities. Since then, I've presented four seasons of Fruit Bowl episodes that feature just one queer person's sexual history. This season, I'm picking through the Fruit Bowl archives, searching hundreds of hours of past conversations about queer sex, and creating episodes that explore common themes and subjects from a diverse cross-section of queer people. My goal is to destigmatize and promote conversation about queer sex, and, in the process, reveal the strength, resilience, and fierce individuality of queer people, and, at the same time, discover what unites us. Sex Ed, Volume 2, My First Porn In 2018, I decided to make a five-minute film about queer coming of age. So I interviewed 18 friends of mine about their adolescence, and one subject emerged that nearly every one of my interviewees had in common. Pornography. Where we found it the different formats, magazines, books, VHS tapes, the internet, and the different ways we used it. Many of us grew up in families and communities that never once acknowledged the existence of queer people. No exposure to queer authors, filmmakers, artists. Yes, it can often be problematic, but pornography is often the first media queer people see that acknowledges queer sexuality. It validates feelings that may have been impossible to articulate before. Porn can often unlock something inside of us. It provides a starting point to begin deciding what turns us on and what turns us off. It helps us form our sexual identities and preferences. 
In this episode, you'll hear some of those original stories I collected in the summer of 2018, as well as many I've collected since. Stories of pornography found under rocks, in dumpsters, behind medicine cabinets, grainy, distorted porn that emerged from scrambled cable channels, porn that belonged to our parents, our grandparents, our brothers and sisters, erotic science fiction, dime store smut, and lots and lots of magazines and VHS tapes. For those of us from the dark ages, i.e. before the internet, finding porn magazines and erotic fiction happened more often than you might think, and it often turned up where you least expected it. My name's Jason, I'm 47, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. Well, we didn't have the internet growing up, so I had to rely on um, magazines, and I think the first introduction I had to what sex looked like was from some uh, adult magazines I found at home. My parents had converted the garage into their master bedroom, and so I got the real master bedroom, and uh, the medicine cabinet came out of the wall. And when I opened it up, I found that there was a treasure trove of other dirty magazines. And I was going to hide uh, a book that I had bought at 14. I ordered it actually from some mail order company, sent it to a friend's house under his mom's name because she worked late. And then after school every day, I would go there and wait for the mail to come. I never told my friend. I never told his mom. I just figured if they caught it, I, they wouldn't know it was me <laughs> that ordered it. But I saw it. I threw it in my backpack and ran home with it. It was the dumbest book. It was a glossy photograph book called Boyfriends. And it was gauzy pictures of men on beaches with lace draped over them. There was nothing sexy about it. I'm not even sure there was nudity. But I was excited to get it. I put that book in the woods. Like I looked at it for a few days and then I just threw it in the woods by the house because I didn't know what to do with it. It was a huge like coffee table book. It was not a really good thing to order to like hide and be surreptitious with. But I had no place to hide it because my dad was hiding porn in my hiding place that I thought I had discovered. It, even some hardcore stuff. No, no, nothing gay. Uh, just guys and girls. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I found them, uh, I would block out the girls with like pieces of paper so I could just look at the guys. <laughs> I never told him until uh, one time when I was a senior in high school, he was yelling at me about something I had done. Uh, I think I had had some friends over and we watched an R-rated movie. And uh, <laughs> he was very disappointed. And that's when I brought up the fact that he had hardcore porn. And then he made a deal with me that he wouldn't ground me if I didn't tell. And I said, well, then you should keep that porn where it is. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> so it was fine. <laughs> My name is Leap. I am 31 years old. And I am originally from a good old Fairfield, Connecticut. My house, like I said, it was so weird. And um, I found the previous tenant's porn stash. I just was like in the bathroom, in the upstairs bathroom, which was like between the room I shared with 
my sister and my parents had like a small suite and but we shared this bathroom at the top of the stairwell and there was a medicine cabinet tucked in an alcove and I think I was like climbing a chair or a step stool to get something on the top shelf like normal like sunblock or something and I put my hand on top and there was a little dip and I felt something glossy up there so I just started to pull and I was just like holy moly what is this so I found like eight like hardcore like smut magazines and then they were like mine i just remember like a lot of shiny purple g-strings and just like really gross like veiny all over like fake tan dudes and like always bald always like 10 to 15 years older than like their like them female counterparts um, and a lot of acrylic nails. Oh yeah, there is penetration. And I hid them, I was dumb, and I didn't put them back where I found them. Cause at that point we had lived in the house for two years and nobody else seemingly had found them. And um, I hid them interspersed between all of my other magazines. And then that's also how I got caught cause I didn't do a very good job at hiding them. Um, yeah, so that was that story so they were mine for i would say like three or six months until i got caught just like ran into a shame hole and cried for three days until my grounding was over if our family didn't have it in the house no problem many of us could find porn if we knew where to look my name is alex and i'm 36 I'm a millennial. I'm the class of 2000. So I probably would have been about eight years old, maybe nine years old, the first time I saw a porno magazine. I had a friend, and we were, this is in New York, so this was in um, Huntington, and there was, a, there was someone's older brother or something who wanted to show us something, and he took us out into these woods. And lo and behold, somewhere out in the woods, underneath a log, was this stash of porn. I probably think, like, and like, penthouse and like penetration being shown and I remember you know they're looking at the girls and I'm looking at the dicks and then I look at the older boy and I can see him starting to bulge and I just had a complete understanding of what was happening you know like I like you know I have that as well you know like and that's what happens and like that's a part of the physical nature and just like watching that and being like knowing that was what I wanted. I'm Adam. I am 37. I graduated high school in 2000. I remember some of the first images I saw, and like a lot of people you've interviewed, like it was like some crazy thing in the woods, and it really was. I remember like seeing some weird, like crinkled up porno magazine in the woods, and I just remembered the the male genitalia seemed fascinating to me. Like I was like, wow. <laughs> But the female genitalia, there was something like grotesque about it to me. <laughs> I just very much didn't understand what was going on there. So I remember the first time I saw a porno like movie, I remembered being scandalized. I wasn't like titillated. I actually felt like I'd violated some, I felt like I'd crossed a line in my own 
exposure to this material. And if, I do feel like, weirdly, it was rather late. I would say seventh grade. And I just remembered feeling like I'd violated my own idea of what the feminine was, weirdly enough, because I, I felt like the feminine in my life was very divine and familial. It was my sisters and my mother. And suddenly I was like, whoa, they have, it, it just, it didn't feel right that what I was seeing could apply to people in my life, that they had done that. And I remembered like, suddenly everyone I looked at I would look at in those terms. I remembered like later that day seeing this beautiful like Tony Braxton video. I just remember it and being like, she did that? Like she does that? And it was like very shocking and kind of like, it felt really like a fall from grace in a way. I felt like weirdly ashamed that I knew and that I'd done it in a secretive way too. I felt like, oh, I, and I shouldn't even know that because now I'm going to think of people in my life this way. Weirdly, not the men, but the women. The men, I was just like, I kind of got that that's what way we were wired again. I'd actually had like this kind of vivid sexual life already. But again, I kind of got how that worked. If you put your, if you're, if you're with another, if you're with another boy, you're figuring that out. And so that must be more gradual. I should add, my older sister had been in like kind of softcore movies. She's and, and like on the cover of Playboy. So also growing up, my I talk about the divine feminine, but I was also like there was also this very sexualized environment. I'd seen her in Playboy. I haven't seen them any of the movies she's been in, though, though. She's in like a textbook about porn because one of her films called Femalian, was groundbreaking in that for softcore it was that explicit. <laughs> She's literally her pictures in a friend of mine who was taking like a, you know, gender porn studies was like, I think I'm looking at your sister right now. And I was like, yes, you are. So that was also in my environment. For those of us with more <clears throat> refined visual standards, the gaudy photos of pornography magazines were a distraction from the more intellectually enticing erotic literature. Magazines, pulp fiction, and science fiction featured stories that included queer characters and provided a window into their erotic thoughts and desires, and descriptions of their experiences. My name is Kenny, and I'm 30 years old. In the beginning, stories are what really propelled my, I guess, erotic desire. But in terms of, like, sex sex, it didn't happen until I found, like, magazines. Probably around fourth grade. My mom's boyfriend had them. <laughs> so they were in, like, a secret stash, and um, I found them, and I was like, whoa. I was holding up the photos of guys and girls, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was one of the action shots, and I was always upset that, like, <laughs> the magazines that I had, at least... It was just, it was way too softcore. And I was like, oh, because I saw one image of fucking once and I'm like, it has to all look like this. It has to, has to be this. Um, a couple of them were actually the novels. I don't know necessarily what they're called because the covers were ripped off of them, but they were just stories, erotic stories uh, published. And I've always been a reader, like even before I found those, but I think I'm even more of a reader now because I read all of that smut. <laughs> um yeah, it was pretty voracious. Like, I could quote some, actually. <laughs> I want to hear. Um, 
Michelle was a really popular name in these stories. So it was one author that wrote all of them in this book, but it's like, um, she, she would sit at her office desk and tug her blouse down. Like, I remember that being one of the specific lines and Michael, it was always Michael, um, would walk up to the desk, lean against it so that his crotch was within her line of sight. Like I remember the line of sight being one of those, but it's just the, the way it was written just allowed my imagination to run wild, especially since I'm growing up around hardly anybody. Um, it really helped paint a picture of what, what it all could look like. And even when the internet came around, I was on nifty.org reading all of those stories. And, um, it's something that really carried over for me. I think it taught me the mechanics of how the body works in terms of like a pussy can be wet and like dicks come. Cause at the time, like, uh, it's like, I wasn't able to come or ejaculate. So to know that women could do that and women could get wet and like buttholes could be fucked. I'm like, what? <laughs> this is so crazy. <laughs> um, so I learned about those types of mechanics. My name is Lillian. I'm 36 years old and I graduated high school in 2002. It was a short story from a best stories of the year science fiction. The title was Oceanic. And what I remembered most about that story is that the humans in this story had been engineered to have interchangeable genitals, where uh, the genitals were called the bridge. And when you had sex with someone, your bridge would detach and attach to that other person. And I remember that very specific image of genitals separating and being traded around. And that fascinated me. I latched onto that so much. And it was this tiny little world building detail in a story that was actually about faith versus science and evidence versus belief and these sorts of things. But my brain and what I was looking for at the time latched onto, oh my God, interchangeable genitals. As long as we could have that book checked out from the library, it sat by my bed with a bookmark on that story. And I probably revisited it five or six times before that book had to go back. I still have that book open in a tab on my computer now. I rediscovered it 20 years later. <laughs> there is the briefest mention of queer sex in that story as well, because the main character as this sort of more sheltered religious person is having a conversation with someone, and that someone saying, how many marriages do you think have the original bridge in them? And he says, almost all of them, except if they're both women. And, she, and the person he's talking to is like, oh no, it's not even close to that. And just trying to show him that the world is so much bigger than his very fundamentalist upbringing. And it was just this super offhand mention of, yeah, there are queer people in this world, which again, at the time, whoosh, went entirely over my head. And I had just latched very onto this very specific way of having sex and this other possibility. My name is Salvador and I'm 39 years old. I graduated high school in 1998. I loved reading as a kid, like we'd go to the library so much to like go read books and newspapers and everything. So I knew that I had a really awesome resource and that was the library. So I would always like make my way towards like the gay short stories. I first learned about the mechanics of gay and queer sex 
by reading the Penguin Book of Gay Short Stories. And there was one story that really stuck with me. Um, this is probably like when I was 14 or 15. I was already in high school. And there was, <laughs> there was a story. The only thing I could remember was lingonberries. Lingonberries. It was about some guy that went to visit a friend's farm and they were harvesting lingonberries and he tasted the lingonberries on the f the family friend's son's lips. I gotta find the story because that one like would make me feel like my heart like oh my god this is what gay love could be like and also like oh my god I gotta go fucking rub one out right now. Um, every time they would come out with a new edition of the Penguin Book of Gay Short Stories I would always rent it from the library and I'd keep it for weeks on end. And, you know, like I had this safety net of like if I had queer books with me, like it was because I was a literature fiend. Like I was like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go to college and I'm going to study English lit and creative writing. And I just got to read as many books as possible. That was my cover, of course. At a certain point, I started buying XY magazine and it came out monthly. So I would buy an issue and put it in the secret stowaway bag in my backpack. And each month I would do that. My bag would get progressively heavier. And I remember I carried that backpack everywhere with me but it started becoming a bit of a burden when like i had like 20 issues of xy magazine in my bag i didn't have room for anything else in there um some of them were like you know love stories and then some of them like by simon shepherd it was like oh yeah like it was graphic the joy of gay sex was out and i was like i would sit at the library and read it with it between the stacks the new joy of gay sex came out when I came out of the closet, um, I was like 18 years old, and that's where I learned the A to Z's of like gay sex. I remember reading about rimming, and I was like, that's fucking disgusting. And even though it said rimming in the book, I'm like, ew, that's tossing someone's salad. <laughs> and if you think about like who I am today and what I love doing, like tongue fucking and chewing on a guy's hole is my favorite thing to do nowadays. And it's just funny to think about, like, when I was younger, like, how I would, like, confuse, disgusted, and also, like, nervous laughter. All these things that, for me, like, I didn't allow myself to be open to, I now indulge in as an adult. Before the internet, before home video, before hardcore magazines, there were porn theaters, and some of the most notorious and explicitly queer were the gay porn theaters that populated Midtown New York City in the 1960s and 70s. I moved to New York City in 1995, right before Mayor Rudy Giuliani started to push out independent gay porn theaters, and Disney renovated the new Amsterdam Theater for The Lion King musical, and ushered in a new era of corporate theater in Midtown. It was sad to see the different gay theaters disappear and be replaced with national chain stores and tourist tchotchkes. But Nayland remembers what it was like. I'm Nayland. I'm 59 years old, and I graduated high school in 1978. Buying explicit newsprint porn at the newsstand 
to like finding out about Times Square and going down there, becoming aware of like the movie theaters that were around Times Square and slowly walking back and forth and like make get working up my courage to be able to go into one. And I was 15 the first time that I went in and basically they were 18 years of age and older but I was a big kid. It's like people did not care. <laughs> or you could often find you it was rare that you would find a ticket taker who was that afraid of getting busted. So I didn't I never had a problem like going into those porn going into those porn theaters. And I think the first one I went into I went from the front of the store to then the back of the store where people were looking at loops, eight millimeter and sixteen millimeter loops. I remember really clearly, um, like finally working up my courage to go into, and it was showing a straight film that had John Holmes in it, and there was a sex scene that was set to the song Cisco Kid. So to this day, like I associate that song with badly lit, unattractive, hardcore porn. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> and it was kind of like, okay, I this is hot because I'm in like a porn theater, but uh, this is like also just kind of like gross because it's, you know, because it's just kind of gross. And nothing happened between me and any of the other patrons at that point. Um, but like, you know, a few times later when I, and particularly when I started going to the Adonis, which is, which was an explicitly, um, gay porn theater on eighth Avenue, then that was when, um, I, I started like hooking up with, with guys. The introduction of home video exhibition in the 1980s helped create even more porn customers because they no longer had to go to a gritty theater to watch porn. Instead, they could do it in the comfort of their own home. Lucky for us, adults were really bad at hiding their porn, and we were really good at finding it. Uh, my name is James. I am 40 years old. Um, and I grew up in Nebraska. When I was really young, my mother uh, was friends with a neighbor down the road, and uh, I, she gave me the task of house-sitting for her when she was on vacation for a weekend, and uh, I was supposed to go feed the cat and uh, basically just clean up the house and make sure it um, stayed maintained until she got back. And she had a VHS holder full of videotapes and a lot of them were unmarked which i found really interesting so i started putting the unmarked videotapes in the player and eventually found a porn and that was my first time of ever actually seeing people have sex on video so i know i've seen people like kiss in actual movies but that was the first time i actually saw people having sex and it was really like intriguing to me <laughs> the beginning of the videotape had a daisy chain it, there was a swimming pool with literally like 25 30 people around it just 
genital to mouth back and forth all the way around the swimming pool and that blew my mind. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that, you know, I knew sex existed, I guess, or that people had sex, but I didn't know like how it works. I had no idea that anything like that could ever exist. <laughs> I was probably like 12, 13 maybe when I saw that. And the rest of the videotape was just like normal sex, like chubby, hairy men and women. <laughs> <laughs> you like what you like, and I guess you're influenced at a young age. I'm Joshua and I'm 45. Part of, you know, being so deprived as a gay kid from any sort of um, images in film and television and things w was that you looked for any sort of identity anywhere. So at the time, you know, AIDS was ravaging the gay community and that was, th those were the images that were on the news and in the media and typically at the time being gay equaled um, having AIDS and dying. If you were a person my age, if you were in, you know, um, elementary school or junior high, this is what you saw. So in a lot of ways, I think that really dramatic and horrible imagery w was really stifling a lot of my sexual feelings because having feelings of same-sex attraction was really horrific, you know, not just because of the Catholic shit that I've been told. So there's like the, the religious part of it that's that's terrifying, right? Like you're going to hell, which is horrible. And then there's the real the, the real news cycle of, of horror happening where gay men are, you know, dying the worst death imaginable. You know, I think back on it now and it's like most of what I was seeking out sexually uh, was centered around women and heterosexual sex, you know? There was a point where I, my brain just wouldn't allow me to imagine having sex with a man because of how fucked up I was, you know? Was I attracted to men? Of course, but I was terrified of that. So I would seek out things like, you know, dirty movies on, on cable television and v VHS tapes with titty shots and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just interesting because, you know, sexually, I mean, at that time, I think when you're so, you're such a little pervert, you know, you'll just take it where you can get it. So I do look back on those years and go like, God, I was kind of straight, you know, for a while, you know, but I wasn't. I think, yeah, I think there was this sort of ability to compartmentalize that part of myself and just shut it down. You know, now when I think back on it, like sex is robotic in a lot of ways and it's just this sort of thing like eating or anything and it's like if you watch people having sex especially when you're a pubescent child um you're gonna be aroused you know there was sort of the progression of like i'm gonna look at naked ladies tits and then i discovered that hustler magazine featured men with erections so then it just kind of became like now i'm just looking at the dudes it wasn't until later that I, I sort of started to let my guard down and, you know, or maybe just got older. And at some point I probably did acknowledge to myself, okay, girl, you're looking at the dick, you know, you're not even paying attention to the woman anymore. Well, I remember that kind of starting to happen in sixth, seventh grade. So pretty young. I mean, you know, I, I think I was repressing my queerness for a very short amount of time, but I of course did not tell anyone. I was still very deeply closeted 
Um, and, you know, did things like raided my friend Sam's father's porn collection. And like, oh my God, it was almost like his father had an entire video store in the attic. Hundreds of movies. He bought the stock from a business and he did this with other companies as well. Like at one point he bought a wax museum. His father was sketchy and uh, I mean, he ended up going to prison for um, a long time for, uh, you know, mail order fraud. So we as kids, me and two male junior high friends, we had access to like so much porn and pretty much unchecked. So we did watch it together. Even back then as a young kid, I appreciated kitsch and camp. Uh, I remember there was one that showed on um, cable that we taped that was a sort of uh, sexy, porny version of Cinderella. I need to find this movie because I swear people don't believe me that it exists, but I watched it over and over again and it was less about it being erotic and more about it being amazing. The fairy godmother was played by a black drag queen. When she gave Cinderella her makeover, took her wand and, and hit her crotch and said, I give you a snappin' pussy. And her, you know, vagina made, you know, amazing noises. And so, of course, she fucked the prince at the ball, and it was like the best lay he ever had. So the premise was that he had to go around the kingdom, you know, fucking all these girls until he found the girl with the snapping pussy. But what's amazing about that is there was a scene in it, which I've recreated in multiple projects of mine, where she uses a corn uh, on the cob to masturbate, and her pussy is so powerful that it turns the kernels into popcorn that are like shooting out of her crotch. <laughs> now I hope someone finds this movie, tells me what it's called and sends me a copy because I need to see it again. I've not seen it for many, many years. Would you watch it together? Yes. So we did watch it together. What was that like? You know, I actually think it made me probably more uncomfortable than it did them. And I wasn't necessarily sexually attracted to them by virtue of the fact that I, I think, you know, I knew that, that they were aroused, you know, there was part of me that was excited because they were excited. And I think it made me feel kind of like a liar in some ways. So I would often take tapes and things and watch them alone, you know, because of course I had much more freedom to watch them the way I wanted to. But what's really exciting was that we discovered that not all of the porn was straight. Or you could tell from the titles what was going on. And they had like the big glossy box covers, you know, so it was pretty amazing. And you know, I have to say, I had friends who didn't really say homophobic shit somehow. Um, they just kind of ignored that that was part of the pile. I mean, I was really afraid to like even take a gay porn tape out of that attic or closet. Cause I had to do it when my friends weren't around. Like literally, this is so horrible to admit, broke into this house, like knew the code to the alarm, knew that they would leave the door unlocked, which door would be unlocked, broke into the house, went to that attic, dug around and found the gay tapes. I mean, it was, and what's sad about that now is I think about how much deep shame I felt. Both, I, 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 was, I was compelled to do it. And it was almost like I couldn't stop myself. Like no one was there to tell me like this isn't, shameful, like you should be proud of this and this is okay. So it was kind of, yeah, I think in many ways I'm sort of blocking or have blocked a lot of that from my memory. Cause now just even being asked the question, 
I'm just remembering that I actually broke into their house <laughs> and like borrowed, not borrowed, stole these tapes. You know, one that I really, really liked was a prison scene. You know, it was just like your cliched gay prison porn. There was the part of it though, where I did constantly think about the fact that only someone who was also interested in these tapes would know they were missing. And there was, I think, part of me that kind of maybe hoped that one of my friends was also interested in the same tapes, you know, but that, that never came to light. My name is RC and I'm 35 years old. I feel like a lot of my life, a lot of my sexual exploration has been with other, like in the beginning with other members of my family or not, oh my God, that sounds gross. Uh, no, I mean like extended like members, like people who are supposed to be my cousins, but they're not actually like related to me. They're just like my parents friend's child so they're like my cousins and we're like young and we're exploring ourselves and all sorts of stuff <laughs> so I feel like a lot of my experiences of sex were not solitary like like it was less sexual with other people yeah. So it was more about exploration and, oh my God, there's something funny on TV that we're not supposed to be watching. Um, I've had, I've gotten in trouble as a child several times watching porn with my, my cousins, you know? Like, it was just, we're children, we're curious, we're about something and this is there and might as well, you know, figure this out together. <laughs> my dad was a, my dad probably still is, sorry dad, a really big porn consumer, but that was like during the day of like VHSs and DVDs, so there was actual like tapes in my household. There was a really nasty one that uh, I will never forget the title, ever. It is like ingrained in my mind. Black and White Pussy Party. <laughs> like what? <laughs> One that I was very fond of and watched a lot, especially, and this was like when we lived in Hawaii. So my dad had has friends who have the same last name as us. And it's uh, my uncle Aaron and my aunt Jackie and their three kids. And we were all around the same age. Um, their first two, their, their two eldest were uh, teenagers at, so they were like maybe three or four years older than me. Uh, we would all hang out together when our you know, parents were working during the summer. And we would watch this tape called Amazon Girls of Go-Go. It was very good. It was a cinematic like masterpiece for pornography. Um, so these men get, uh, they, you know, wash ashore on this island somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and it's populated by these Amazonian women, and they take them in as sex slaves. And it was, like, really well thought out. It was, like, more of a movie with some sex in it. So I think that's why I liked it a lot. It was, like, fantasy, and I love fantasy. I think beyond that, I can't remember what else that movie was about because I was just too stimulated and we would all watch it together and it had a plot and so we like really liked it because it was kind of like a fantasy film but then there was all this like 
softcore porn in it. And I think that's because it wasn't very sexual for us yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the, the switch had been flipped, but not quite yet. Uh, my name is Isabella, uh, and I'm currently 32 years old. Um, and I graduated high school in 2005. I was kind of a strange kid growing up, so kind of like a prudish kind of a kid. I was not um, into sex or any kind of like hand-holding or kissing or anything like that for a very long time uh, until I discovered porn. Uh, And what a shock to the system that whole thing was. Um, My brother had a bunch of like unlabeled tapes uh, and I remember uh, wanting to record Dragon Ball Z um, and pulling out one of his like unlabeled tapes and popping it in and it was a it was a porno. So this is after the internet. So first see it on the internet. So I know what this is, right? Um, he had a dual tape deck, uh, you know, where you could pop in for, for anybody that's like, God, under the age of 25. He used to have a VHS that had two taped s- slots in them. So you could tape something and record something. And uh, I would charge the kids in my school. <laughs> if you brought me a, a blank VHS and $5, I would record... Um, <laughs> this porn out. So I had like a, I had like a mini small bootleg porn industry uh, in middle school for a while. And it was such a naughty, no, no thing to do. But having access to it, um, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, I could just sell these to people and make spending money. (laughs) And no one questioned it ever. It was such a Oh my God, I'm actually very proud of that because that's like what what kid is is like that. My name is Mike. I am 33 years old and I am originally from Kansas. I was in the eighth grade and we were graduating from our Catholic grade school. And for a celebration, they took a lot of us to a Holiday Inn with one male chaperone. And he was the this edgy new kid in our class. We had like 22 people. His father. And he rented a porn for this group of like 12 boys graduating from the eighth grade. And we all watched it as a group. <laughs> and that was mind-blowing for me. It was a very vivid porn. Um, and watching it, and just the tension in the room as all you're laughing and goofy at first. And all of a sudden it's just teenage boys breathing heavily and trying not to get boners. (laughs) And I was more distracted with the room than I was what was going on screen. For years later, I could remember the names of the different female porn actors because they were all over the top, ridiculous, Bond type of girls with really like, you know, a lot of pussy kind of names. And there was not much plot. It was almost all just like penetration shots and giant fake breasts. Like home video, cable TV also provided a rich source of in-home pornography of varying degrees of explicitness and artfulness. For some of us, it didn't even matter if the channel was scrambled. If there was even a hint of sex coming through the TV, that was enough for us. My name is Jerry. 
I'm about 105 or 50s in gay years. I uh, live in Seattle, uh, born in Queens, raised in Long Island. I'm old, so I mean, back in the day when we had cable, we had a box and there was th three rows of you know channels. And if you were lucky, you had the Playboy station, but if you could push down two at the same time, you may be able to flip over to the Playboy station and get like a grainy view of some sex going on. It was straight porn, you know, and it's like, yeah, a lot of tit and ass, you know, with the females, and if you got a cock out of that, that was a, a bonus, you know. My earliest uh, memories of expressing my sexuality uh, was a lot of watching HBO late at night uh, after parents uh, go to bed and um, doing a lot of exploring on whatever I could find or on Showtime. Um, thankfully, we had cable. I mean, I think real sex was happening at that time. Um, and then there was um, just a series, oh, Emmanuel, I think they were, like they played every single night. Um, that may have been on Cinemax or Skinemax is what we called it. It was totally, the show was totally about um, Emmanuel's sexual adventures. And um, I don't remember a lot, but there was always a new guy, a new exploration. There was a lot of travel in it too, I think, and I was obsessed with getting out of Mississippi. It was a femme character. In retrospect, I identified a lot with her and the way that she expressed her sexuality. There were like five different series of Emmanuel, and it was really seductive. And so it was actually a good place to sort of learn like sexual play and romance. Um, it wasn't too, mm, it wasn't too hard. Then there was like Emmanuel Seductress. Oh, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> there were a few Emmanuels, like part three, four, and 10. I swear to God, it was every night. I think one of the first times that I experienced sexual pleasure by myself was on one of the random trips that we would always take with our family to Las Vegas. My dad would go gamble, my mom would go with him, and then like me and my twin brother, you know, we would go to the arcades to play video games or like eat at the buffets. We'd come back to the hotel room and our parents wouldn't be there. And we knew that one of the things that you could get in a hotel room in Las Vegas was like Cinemax or Spice or whatever the porno channels were. And I know that if you turn to those channels, if you didn't order the film, you could still kind of make out stuff in the scramble jumble of the TV. There was a certain point that me and my twin brother were like, oh, fuck it. Like, we don't need a card. We just need to tell them, you know, make a really old sounding voice and be like, yeah, we'd like to order, you know, Skinemax or Cinemax or whatever the hell people called it. There was two pornos that I remember specifically. One of them was like these cheerleaders that were like fucking these football players, but it wasn't just like straight up fucking. It was like bad dialogue and like really like womp wompy type of like 70s music. Uh, I remember there was this one scene where like all these football players were like laying out on the field and then like the cheerleaders were like mounting their dicks. To this day, I still hear that music. And I still see like the horrible like 1970s like cheerleader outfits and football uniforms. I remember, I think like my brother was in the chair behind me and I was like sitting like in front of the TV. And I think like we were both playing with our hard-ons, but like trying to make it so that the other wouldn't know 
Because I think if my twin brother and I knew that we were both jerking off in the same room, that would be fucking weird. But I remember, um, like, me, I was just, like, there, like, you know, just fucking, like, oh, just rubbing myself and stuff like this. And I was just, like, trying to control my breathing because I'm, like, I, I came maybe, like, three different times because, like, I would get really aroused again and stuff. And I would just, like, and it was so hard stifling an orgasm when you're that age because, like, it's all about sex. But, like, I remember each time, like, I would, like, look at the women's breasts and I was just, like, even then, 12, 13 years old, I was, like, I'm not into that. That is so fucking weird. But I was into like seeing the guy's dick like slide inside her pussy. The other porno that we saw that just stays in my mind, I think maybe Peter North was in it. Peter North was in every like straight, bisexual, and gay film on the planet. He had this mirror that if he looked at it hard enough, um, he would be able to turn into another person, I think it was. Or I remember that he would be able to turn into a woman. And he would be able to, like, feel the sensations of a woman's body. He would basically turn into this woman. So this other, like, this female porno actor would play him. And she would, like, go, like, start getting fucked by guys. And, like, doing, like, a bunch of, like, different orgies and stuff. And then he would go back, turn back into him, his male self. And then join the orgy and, like, fuck the women that he was having lesbian sex with. It was weird. But I remember, for me, I thought it was just kind of hot because I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, when he's a woman, he's feeling guys inside of her. And I'm like, if he's a dude and he's able to play this out as a woman, it's kind of like, this is a safe way for him to be gay. And I just thought, I started thinking about sex and sexuality. I started thinking also sex and sexuality and gender. Like, I was like, huh. Like, it was hot, but it was also like on an intellectual level. I was like, wait a second. Like... It's not just about being gay or straight, like, and it's so weird to think that I got that out of, like, this 1980s porno. Of all the ways that the delivery of porn has changed, from books to magazine photos, from porn theaters to home video and cable, none comes close to the seismic shift that happened when the internet arrived in our homes. Instead of searching in dumpsters or stealing from magazine stands or digging in drawers and locked cabinets, looking for our parents' smut, we were entering chat rooms, searching for dirty stories, and waiting for our dot matrix printers to provide printouts of blurry pictures. We were looking up cruising locations and teaching ourselves how to erase our browsing history. And if you came of age after the internet, you likely have a very different view, not only of your own queer identity, but also how you perceive the world and how expansive queer culture can be. My name's Sam. I'm 35 and I'm from Boston. We had like this old dial-up modem and I would take the phone line and I had to only do that when no one else was home because we had one computer in the middle of the house and it was not private. And so like, it took a lot of patience. I think people nowadays just think porn is really fast, but no, when you had to wait like that, it kind of built up. Um, so yeah, I knew from the first, you know, times that I started feeling sexual attraction at all that I was attracted to cisgender men. 
So there's a lot of porn out there. Um, and I found myself just finding all the gay stuff because that was awesome. Um, and I, I didn't put myself in it. I was just like, that is the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, also, like, I hadn't been around naked cisgender men hardly ever at all. Like, I remember when I was super, like, tiny, my parents would walk around naked, like, from the bathroom after a shower to get dressed, like, whatever. But besides that, like, I hadn't seen a peen in real life. And um, porn was really a beautiful way for me to <laughs> explore those kinds of bodies. I'm trying to remember the early days of porn. <laughs> Uh, through transition, I had a healthy appetite for, <laughs> for porn. Um, early stuff, I remember actually the early stuff, it was easier to load things that were written. Um, pictures and videos, like that stuff took forever to load. So I actually got really into reading stories that people had written um, and put online. And the stuff that I still find most exciting is the real stuff stories that someone would recount from an experience that they had or whatever, like that was really exciting. And maybe there'd be like one picture that would maybe load. Um, and that was super exciting. My name is Ryan. I'm 29 years old and I grew up over on Bainbridge Island. The first time I ever learned about sex was with my older brother, or not with my older brother, but when he showed me porn on the internet. Um, yeah. When I was like six, I think it was right when like the internet was a thing, um, barely a thing. Like I didn't even really understand it, but my brother already knew how to look up porn for some reason and he showed it to me. I remember specifically asking if we could look at guys and him looking at me really weird. I was like, oh, I'm just kidding. When I was probably actually getting older and I figured out how to search for stuff online and it was kind of exploring like, what did I want to look at? And I had all these like preconceived notions like from my brother where it's like, oh, lesbians are hot. Like you got to check them out. So I actually like Googled that a lot and like, played this like weird like mental game where I was convincing myself that's turned me on. Um, but then of course, like then I would like go on to, um, what is it called? Like the Napster Kazam or something like that. And that's where I like downloaded all my videos. And that's when I would like just look up the weirdest stuff. Even when I was like 12, just looking up like just typing in gay porn or whatever and then like realizing or learning like what like a bear was when I was like 13 and like starting googling like gay bears and all that kind of stuff so um, definitely the internet was the biggest thing for me to figure out like what the like kink was. I think honestly the first time I ever saw like a fisting video or something like something as I'm again I'm gonna like say it's basic <laughs> now, but like back then, obviously that's like the first time you've seen it, it's like, what? Like people do this? Um, seeing that when you're like 12 years old really was like, oh my God, like sex can actually be like anything. I feel so desensitized now in my life that it's like nothing shocking. <laughs> so I'm trying to go back to my 12 year old self. Um, my name is Aditya. I uh, am 34 and I graduated high school in 2003. India back then, no one 
talked, you had the very clinical talk in school, uh, but no one really talked about sex otherwise. We knew a lot more than what the books were telling us in a very misinformed kind of way. Just going through puberty with friends, uh, suddenly we, someone had stolen magazines from their dad's closet. Uh, very, very heterocentric. Weirdly enough, I got caught with a Playboy and a Penthouse magazine in ninth grade. It was a miracle they didn't tell my, par my parents about it. I would have been in a lot of trouble. We had a computer lab, so there was one air-conditioned room in the school which had a row of computers, and someone had filled one of it with porn. And this is eighth grade, or seventh grade. Uh, a few of us had access, we knew which computer it was, and so we would steal in there. And we had a very cool computer teacher, and she knew what was there. And weirdly enough, was kind of like, okay, you guys are being naughty, just leave, but did not, you know, take more severe action. We literally all suddenly had computers in our homes in those two years for the first time. Uh, there was porn available. It was through porn, at least my generation, I know for sure. It was, we were the first, um, we, we were the first people with the uh, home computers in uh, like PCs at home and uh, that meant access to the internet um, uh, that led us into masturbating for the first time. There was a connection card from the phone, like an actual wire. It, it was one of those telephone cards. And it had to be connected across from the living room into the study where the computer was and you had to connect it to the modem to connect. So I had perfected a way of doing that while my parents were outside, out um, dialing in the modem, watching porn and then un disconnecting, coiling the wire back to the living room phone. I would start uh, searching for some uh, homosexual porn, <laughs> gay porn, and um, it was very surprising to me because um, I think a lot of the porn, like the magazines, etc., they were all still very uh, stereotypical, and so um, having a non-model-like person on the screen was very, very new to me. Now that I think of it, I'm sure that made me aware of what worked for me, which was a first, just because... I still did not know. Yeah, I, I don't think I knew what being gay was or, you know, why this was turning me on, it was just turning me on. It's almost like one day suddenly I'm like, wait, my, <laughs> everything I'm looking at is a, a type. Um, now when someone asks, what's your type? It's great to say I don't have a type, which is true, but um, there's a flip, there's another side to it. Because I'm sure if I give an answer of who it would be, I would change that answer once I was done. <laughs> for the next time. <laughs> like being secretive about the porn I watched was all the way up to my third year of college before I came out. I had the public face of me not being out and then the private side of being gay. I'm Brianna, I'm 34, and I graduated high school in 2006. I started to explore sex online probably around age 10. I was an early bloomer with porn. I started watching it on a very slow internet at probably like 10 or 12. My mom thinks it was later. I'm pretty sure it was younger. 
but it was like very slow download porn. So you would like see the top part of somebody, then the next part, and then you'd be like, oh, boobs, right? <laughs> then the next part, and then the next part, oh, a penis, right? So it was very slow. And I started watching porn and loved it and was super excited about it. And then my parents figured out that someone was watching porn on my computer and they confronted my brother about it. And we're like, and he was, he's a year and a half younger than me, totally super innocent. And then they realized it was me. <laughs> So then they had to come talk to me about how that wasn't a good idea and how it can be really dangerous. Probably wasn't a great exposure to like what sex was like at that age. But I didn't even really connect necessarily that that's what was sex was like. Like I was like, I just know that my body's enjoying this. But I feel like maybe it was because I didn't feel totally sure after my mom gave me that talk what it actually was. And I was still really curious. And so I think I probably just searched sex and then started seeing these sites and then being like, oh, this is really exciting. And so just kept deep diving into it. I remember a lot of like penis and vagina sex. That's what I feel like I was trying to understand at that time and was excited about. And all the movies show you up until sex happens. So you're kind of unsure what it actually is. So I think I was trying to fill that gap. My name is Gabriel. Um, I'm 24, originally from San Jose, but now live in Seattle. How I learned about sex in the first place. I can actually kind of pinpoint it back to a day. Um, I was 11 and my family was having a wine party downstairs. My parents make wine as like a huge hobby of theirs and all of their friends were over and they were all talking and getting ready for, I couldn't tell you what it was, if it was like a bottling or a crush. But so I ran upstairs and the first thing I did was just like, I kind of sat down in my seat and I think I was supposed to be working on homework and I just got really excited and typed in older, fat, naked men. I was into like chubs growing up. When I was growing up and I, when I'd go to church, well, this is when I was super fucking young. I'd have this idea that if I could stop time and then if I could go up to any of like the older men in their seats, take down their pants and like literally like suck their cock and then pull their pants back up and then zip them up again. Like I wondered, I always would wonder if they would know because I always think about it, like all these like older men. So that's probably why I thought about it and why it kind of came to me. Um, it's like, this has always been my fantasy. Why not just try start here? I was like in heaven. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And just kind of like started filtering through the pictures, but I didn't want, there wasn't any sex on that website. It was just naked bears. <sighs> I can, I can literally picture the website and what it looked like and the men that were on there. I can never tell you, I cannot tell you what it was called, but I've never been able to find it. Um, as far as sex goes, I remember it was the Next Door Buddies website. Totally not my cup of tea, um, but it was like the first like exposure to like sex, like gay sex that I had ever seen or sex in general. I couldn't even tell you if I got hard or not, but I was definitely very aroused and excited. Um, didn't know what masturbating was. Uh, even though I knew what I was watching, I didn't know that that was sex. I just didn't know that penis going into hole was the act of sex. Mm. I just thought 
sucking and fucking and rimming and all of that was sex. I knew the feeling, but I didn't know how to do it. And like I said earlier, I think guys next door taught me how to masturbate. And I was like, okay, if I keep doing this for long enough, I'm going to have this moment that's going to make me feel really, really good. Yeah. So it was just like a lot of like exploring and I was extremely nervous that someone was going to walk in because we had an open door policy in our house. So I just had to be really cautious. So when I was probably 12 or 13, I I had this idea of like when I would watch porn, I gave myself strikes. Like, like you can only, you have three strikes. Like you're only allowed to watch this three times. Some bullshit. <laughs> like <laughs> I watched porn every day as much as I possibly could. <laughs> um, that door would, that bathroom door would be locked for hours. <laughs> My name is Nathan, I'm 29, and I graduated high school in 2009. So I was around 11 when I first like saw porn. We used to buy these like contemporary Christian albums. So like, it, imagine it's like the now hits, it was called Wow. And we used to buy like Wow Hits 2002. Um, and so Wow 2000, oh my God, so now I can remember the first time I saw porn was in the year 2000. That's really cool. Okay, um, and so Wow 2000 came with a porn blocker. And it was like really important so that when you put it into your window CD, it was like Christian protection, like you need this blocker. It's going to prevent you from like your kids seeing sex. And I'm like, kids, like I'm the kid. What parent right now actually knows how to use a CD-ROM? Like I'm alone watching this, tell me more. <laughs> and so they basically talk about how there's like in the internet, there lies like all this porn and it's like dangerous for kids. and. The people doing it are so m evil and manipulative that they're using common URLs that will trick you. And so the URL they use as an example was whitehouse.com. Um, and they're like, white, and they, I don't even know, they're so dumb they used the real example. Because they were like, whitehouse.com, you'd think would take you to our White House. You know, like the, the national White House give you links to the president, but it doesn't. It's like whitehouse.gov and whitehouse.com is porn. And so I'm like, I need to check out whitehouse.com. And so I checked out whitehouse.com. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, it was like straight titty porn, but it was like, there was a cock there. It like did something. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I need to like dive into this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I like porn. And so um, I dove into porn and that porn really quickly turned into gay porn. And it was like, oh, I like these muscles and I like these hair and I like this cock. And, you know, I, I still remember like these websites I'd go to, like there was one called like Twisted Gay Links. And it was like these little HTML websites that were made like for me, I guess, in that like they're just fast links to previews of porn. So like if you couldn't afford porn, you just like would scroll through this and then just like watch preview clips until you could like come. And that was like how I got into, like, that's how I found gay porn. My name is Mike, I'm 33, and I graduated high school in 2006. I was going to, ironically, Vietnamese school on Sundays, but one of the other kids there was super like rebellious type of kid and he would bring 
hentai, and we would like look at these like eight and a half by eleven printouts of porn drawings of anime. It was like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, and they were like these giant penises and giant boobs, and just like I was like, what is this? But also like, what is that? Like seeing again these like ripped dudes with giant penises. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And so I think I'm pretty sure I went home and like. Looked on Yahoo Answers for something like that or something, but in the process of that, I think I also found my sister's porn, which is like there's so much to unpack here. I need to talk to a therapist about this part. But I think in the process of like deleting my own internet history, I found my sister's internet history, and she was reading like erotic literature, you know, like fanfic type stuff. And so I was like, oh, stories are interesting, and so. I guess this should have revealed something to me, but the, the stories my sister was reading like often had like woman-on-woman action. So in that sense, that was some of the first queer media that I had consumed. I wasn't super into it, but I was like, oh, like I get that this is erotic. I get that this is this is different too because it's not a man and a woman. And I think shortly after that, I started exploring gay men porn and just like seeing what that brought up. I remember the name of the first website I went to, and it was Jay's Bookmarks. And it was like a an index of a bunch of porn sorted by type. So you could find like military, or you could find like high school, or whatever you were into. And just like clicking through each of those directories, and you would like navigate to these external sites and download one single JPEG that took five minutes because it was dial up. But like that was my discovery of porn and of gay sex and gay men and and gay bodies, and it was great. Oh yeah. Like, I don't think I had any qualms about the fact that I was attracted to men. Gosh, I remember even when I would be homesick from school, or we'd have like an admin day or something. I would be home with my sister, and she loved watching um, like Ricky Lake and Sally Jesse Raphael and all of that stuff. And on occasion, on those shows, they would have like muscular stripper men. There was like. Twenty hot buff dudes on stage, just taking off their clothes, and I'm like, I'm really into this. And my sister, I remember one to my, at one point, my sister was like, "You like that, don't you?" And I was like, "No?" Question mark. But yeah, I, I think from a very early age, I knew I was attracted to male presenting figures, and while I would claim to be like bi through like my middle and high school years, I never. Contemplated like sex with a woman in that way. It was always like attraction to the male body. Thanks for listening to Fruit Bowl. Excerpts featured here are selected from each person's full-length episode from previous seasons of the podcast, and have been re-edited in support of the episode's theme. Want to know more about this episode's featured interviewees? You can find links to each person's full-length interview in the show notes of this episode. Fruit Bowl is produced independently without any corporate media infrastructure or full-time staff. Help support our efforts to collect, archive, and share personal stories about queer coming of age by making a small monthly donation through Fruit Bowl's Patreon membership. Patrons get early access to episodes behind-the-scenes updates, and exclusive video extras that are not available to the general public. Or promote your business by sponsoring an episode of Fruit Bowl 
or dedicate an episode to a loved one. Sponsorships and dedications are 100% tax-deductible through Fruit Bowl's fiscal partnership with Seattle's Northwest Film Forum. Fruit Bowl receives no direct funding from Northwest Film Forum, only the use of their nonprofit status to receive tax-deductible donations. Learn more at fruitbowlpodcast.com slash donate or write dave at fruitbowlpodcast.com for more information. Social media platforms often censor mentions or depictions of queer sexuality. Accounts are suspended or banned outright without notice or due process. As a result, promoting Fruit Bowl is an uphill battle, so we rely on you to help spread the word. Tell your friends about Fruit Bowl, rate, and write a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can find links to all our social media at fruitbowlpodcast.com. Fruit Bowl is created, produced, and edited by Dave Quantic. That's me. This has been a production of Cubed Media. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. <laughs>